0: This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI.
1: For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup.
0: Talking Bruins and the NHL.
1: Sure, old-time hockey. Like Eddie Shore. Yeah.
0: With Ken Laird. Oh, a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. And W-E-E-I.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. He's a killer. Yeah, yeah. a mess. Lace him up for some bees talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI another edition of the skate pod here on wei.com and that is uh, not just any podcast that is the top the preeminent podcast in the wei.com family now yeah this,
2: and this is a, just to clear up this is a full episode not one of our great bonus episodes I hope uh, great job everyone enjoyed my Chris Kelly and Gregory mm-hmm. Campbell discussions two of uh, my favorite people to cover and still trying to get over the fact that Chris Kelly's wearing Bruins colors again I feel like it's, like it's been a time warp
0: I want to ask you more about that coming up on the back end of it uh, let's get to Jack Edwards fairly soon here that's what people right. mostly are tuning in for our conversation with Jack we teased it as a significant member of the organization at least I did yep. I think that's true right no, I, it's not false I teased it as
2: someone who's super popular and the most one of the most enthusiastic members of the Bruins family I think people Kind of can express that. I mean, every every emotion, every word uttered by that guy on the air is one hundred percent original. Him, you know, yes. and I, that's I think that's the that's the craziest part. I think there's a lot of phonies out there in this business, but holy cow, that guy is. What what you see is what you get, and I think Bruins fans should love him for that.
0: And we're going to talk mostly about this current team and the issues facing them in camp. It's not right. like a background piece on Jack. You can find that elsewhere, and, and I'm not saying those aren't worthy, but we're looking at camp preview. just want to say quickly, you can follow us, as you know how by now, iTunes, mm-hmm. at the SkatePod on Twitter. We're now over 1,000 followers. Thank you to all our new followers. Your, your trip to Buffalo surged us over the edge. Absolutely. And uh, leave us a five-star review if you can. Of course, Stitcher, and you get it. Uh, What's your pod? I get it
2: Go on Downcast. Downcast. You can get it anywhere. You get. Oh, radio.com. Did we say that? That's, that's a good one. Of course. Corporate would love that.
0: Corporate loves you for that. All right, let's get to it. Our conversation, our Bruins Camp Preview with Jack Edwards. It's time. Friday is the first full on ice workout, and uh, God games on September sixteenth. Well, you already saw games, Matt. You were in <laughs> Buffalo this past weekend for for the three prospect games. So, who better to get on than the voice of the Bruins, Jack Edwards? Joins us here on the Skate Pod. How are you, Jack?
1: I'm doing fine, thanks. I uh, I hope sanity prevails and McAvoy and uh, Carlo get in camp soon. But uh, I'm optimistic about this winter.
0: Speaking of that, since you jumped right into the big issue of the off season, we've only been uh, talking about it every week here over the summer. Uh, we had Don Sweeney comment on that uh, in some regard this week. did you glean any uh, insight as to what those deals may look like uh, when all is said and done i uh,
1: I think the deal that uh, Zach Warensky struck with columbus is uh is pretty fair <laughs> yeah. you know three years at five million uh for a player of that talent uh on whom Columbus completely depends to be reliable and uh responsible in the defensive end and start a lot of offense. Uh, He's a really, really good young all around defenseman. And uh, I think he's comparable with McAvoy and, you know, I, I love Charlie as a player and I really like him as a person. Um, But if I were a GM, I would be hesitant to sign a guy to eight years who has averaged what 58 or 59 games a season in his first two uh, because Charlie doesn't shy away from the physical contact. And as we saw from Patrick Hornquist especially, he's a known target. And, uh, you know, there are headhunters out there. And hmm. and McAvoy is, is not shy about sticking his nose in, so he's susceptible to that kind of injury.
2: I think uh, you're right about the comparable of McAvoy. I think maybe Carlo's in a different boat. And I'm wondering yeah. if maybe he – his it probably behooves him more – so even then McAvoy, based on injury history and based on style of play, to maybe go for a longer-term deal even if he has to take a, you know, a hit a little bit on the AAV.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I think Brandon's going to be in camp within uh, a week. Uh, that would be a conservative estimate. I, I think that's going to get done. Um, he's a, a pretty reasonable guy, and, and when young players um, see the potential – uh, as opposed to the reality. The reality is not so bad to settle for, right? Right. <laughs> so I, I think uh, that that both Brandon and, and Charlie will see the light and uh, know that they're going to have a lot of good hockey in them uh, beyond this contract.
0: Beyond this year, Jack, Tory Krug factors in in a major way, of course, in that grouping. Do you think they can uh, survive Krug leaving after this year in ter- terms of what he brings right now? I mean, is there a replacement for him on the power play? Can McAvoy be that guy? What do you think about Krug's future here?
1: I, I think uh, that, that Don Sweeney, who is a, a really smart guy who thinks over the horizon, uh, is going to give us our answer by the trading deadline um, because they, can't, they cannot afford to lose – the valuable commodity that is Tory Krug for nothing um, because he is so huge on that power play and he's turned into a really good 200 uh, foot defenseman, um, he, you know, but, but he's up there in age, <laughs> you know, he's, he's not a youngster and if he signs an eight year deal, he's going to get into his late thirties. And uh, you know, I, 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 don't necessarily buy the smaller player is more susceptible to injuries thing, but he is clearly a targeted player because he is so important uh, to the Bruins uh, restarting their offense by playing well in the defensive zone and, and by their defensive blue line where he has become so good. Um, so they, they can't afford to lose him for nothing if they, don't, uh, if they aren't in line to extend him.
2: You probably know him better personally than I do. I mean, this thing he says that uh, in Chicago last week about willing to take a hometown discount—you buying that?
1: Sincere, yeah. 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 Tory Krug is is you know what you see is what you get. I I mean this guy is as straight and honest uh, as they come. Uh, he long ago figured out that if you tell a half truth to someone, you have to remember to whom you told the half truth, right? <laughs> so so he's just straight away you know i i think um you know and if i were if i were an an opposing gm i would be doing everything within reason to get tory krug on my team right Uh, this is a very very valuable player for at least the next five years um the question is term you know if if he stays with the bruins if he wants eight years or seven years um that's a long time and uh You know, we've we've seen dead money uh, hurt a lot of teams, and uh, I think where the NHL is evolving right now is that uh, players are trying to grab the money in their second contracts at the expense of their third contracts because I I think it's really going to be the exceptional 30-something who is an unrestricted free agent who gets a really long-term, like six, seven, or eight-year deal.
2: I think you just did the negotiating on the Krug thing because you said he, he's going to be great for five years, and that you wouldn't necessarily give him a seven or eight. So you just fall on that six. That seems like the sweet spot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I think we did it. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't Aren't I good at that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't lose sleep over over the hard cap. You know, <laughs> but but it's it's haunting a lot of teams.
0: Well, you know, Jake, you mentioned guys with term, and obviously David Backus is a guy that comes up now, two years left on that big deal he signed, and an amazing story in the playoffs, no matter which way you came down on it, he was, some people thought, you know, if they had won the thing, he's going to get the cup first after, you know, the captain, and so all of that going on, he transformed his game to be sort of a different player throughout the year, and then in game seven, to see him up in the press box watching, what do you make of the year that? Back his had, and how do they go forward with him?
1: Uh, David is a good soldier, and uh, one that you would want personally or professionally at your side, uh, no matter what the circumstances, uh, for better or especially for worse, um, because his attitude toward the team never changes. Um, the lodestone is the six million dollar hit per season, and the minimal advantage that the Bruins would get by uh, burying him in the AHL or, or uh, buying him out altogether. Uh, that that would really have a minimal impact uh, positively on, on their cap space. Um, you know, it's an issue. Uh, we've seen players late in their careers uh, stumble for a year or two and then be really effective um, in the tail end of their careers uh clearly Backus has got a lot of uh, a lot more hockey behind him than he has in front of him. But um you know, if 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 the if the situation is right and uh and there's a team that that uh wants true leadership, um you know, David Backus is uh is a good fit and the Bruins might want to sweeten that um by adding a choice pick um, because you, you look at the core of this team. And um, although Bacchus is part of the emotional core, he is not part of the X and O core. Um, and you wonder if Patrice Bergeron, who still has nagging groin issues uh, after the short summer, uh, David Krejci, who is coming off a sensational regular season Um, that I don't think anybody predicted, um, those guys aren't going to get too many more kicks at the can. And if they can arrive at the playoffs healthy and hearty and have a robust set of youngsters uh, forcing uh, upward pressure on the varsity roster, um, they're going to get another kick at the can. But um, I'm not sure if Bacchus fits in that equation.
2: I mean, would would you would you still do that? You know, sweeten the deal here with the, with a pick. Would you have done that already, just to not have this hanging over you on you know September 11th? There,
1: I I uh, you know I I don't know what Don Sweeney has done, mm-hmm. but I I know that um, his father was a math teacher right. who rose to be uh, uh, I think superintendent of his school system or, or the equivalent of that in uh, in Canada, and uh, you know. He, he plans pretty carefully, and he, again, sees over the horizon. And I'm sure that that Don Sweeney has uh, explored every possible avenue uh, to help the Bruins be a better team. Um, you know, I, I still trust that he's going to be able to resolve this situation, but the hard cap that uh, has served hockey's parity so well uh, really <laughs> – really comes back to bite you sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: Jack Edwards is our guest. Throughout the playoffs, we were entertained with your uh, chats with Bruce Cassidy after games. Uh, you have a, what seems to be a pretty good relationship with him. He got the multi-year extension today announced as we're recording this. He's going to meet the press coming up in just a little bit. What I have a tough time putting a finger on, Jack, and maybe you can answer, is what kind of a coach is he really as far as the players view him? Is he a player coach? Is he a hard nut? He seems like some kind
1: of combination of both. He is a phenomenal manager of people and that starts with honesty in a relationship. And I don't think there's been a single player who has come through Boston under Bruce Cassidy, who has not said that he's gotten uh, an honest answer and therefore a fair shake from the coach. Uh, I, I imagine that there are players who didn't think they were used to their potential, um, but Bruce doesn't hide his agenda from the players and they say that and his his idea to share leadership uh, among his staff members uh, to share leadership in the room with the players to listen to the players is uh, unparalleled I I don't know if there's a better people manager uh, in all of hockey and and that is through the adversity of, of getting a shot uh, way back near the turn of the century uh, with the Washington Caps, who were a right. soap opera train wreck uh, in their dressing room and having to learn the hard way and having to go back to the AHL and, and work his way up from there. And uh, he, he came back as a sensationally learned coach.
2: Yeah, we've seen we've seen that so many times now in all sports. with guys, they fail. I mean, famously, you know, obviously Belichick, and you know, we've seen it with Francona, and you've seen it in this sport. Maybe this past year with Barubi, guys just need to learn. They need to get goes through some tough times to come out the other end. And it's clear that he's done that. I think you're right about uh, not only being a, a great manager of people, but in, but his the, what's underrated is the fact that he has this assistant coach staff that clearly he is willing to defer to and try different things. And uh, that's definitely taken him a long way here as far as changing the way this team plays and changing the way some guys play when they're past 30. You don't really see that usually.
1: Yeah, and it's really hard to get any of the coaches to take credit for anything. They, They always dish it off to another guy. And, you know and, and probably Bob Essens is the only guy who, right. who's in a spot cuz he only coaches one position right Exactly. So.
2: <laughs> and the thing is too i mean you, you think of all the years this team struggled with the power play and it, it's the same players that have been this dominant power play for two or three years now i mean that's the, the, the hugest thing you go into you, all the years they would go into the playoffs and you'd worry about the power play and Famously, 2011, they had no power play most of that postseason. Um, yeah, that's just amazing too. And we know how much of an influence Bruce has been in that position. And it, clearly, they've they've cleared that up. Yeah. It's never an issue.
1: Yeah, and and you know, um, a lot of that power play is Bruce uh, because he always, as a player, uh, would seek that little advantage that a two step adjustment could make. And I I cannot help but think. That Patrice Bergeron's uh, emergence as the most dominant bumper player <laughs> in the power play is because he and Bruce have such a good open relationship right. about what works and what might work and what might possibly work but probably won't. And and they talk about it all the time. And that power play runs off that that guy number 37 in the middle, and, and number 47 going down to the half boards and then coming back uh, up to the point. You know, those, those two guys just make it sing. And Pasternak on the weak side with 50-goal uh, potential, um, you know, that's that it's, it's a magical thing uh, the way he has used his personnel and, and made them all better.
0: In terms of Bergeron, Jack, uh, how concerned do you think Bruins fans should be with his lingering, as he called it, uh, groin issue? And maybe throw Chara in the mix there, too. What do you expect from these two guys coming up this year, coming off some yeah. significant injuries? Yeah, that,
1: I, uh, I uh, did uh, one of those summertime long-form interviews with the NHL Radio, and the, uh, the parting question was, what concerns you most about the Bruins? And it was a two-word answer, Bergeron's health. Hmm. Period. You know, that's it. That's it. You know, it, they, they cannot afford to lose Patrice Bergeron for 25 games. They, um, they are in a division that is improving steadily. And some teams, such as Florida, exponentially. And uh, it's going to be a tough battle to stay in playoff position all season long. And if you lose a player who basically is, is the most dominant power play player in the league by his position. You know, I, am not talking about Kucherov because Kucherov is a sensational talent, but he's in the circle. You know, I'm not talking about Ovechkin because he's in the circle. Bergeron can move 18 inches on the power play and change the entire geometry of the penalty killing box or diamond or whatever their, their (laughs) formation they choose. Um, He's he is the best center ice player in the league uh, in the neutral zone at at seeing attacks coming out of their end and breaking them down. And I don't think there's a player who makes better plays, smarter plays in his defensive zone than Patrice Bergeron. He, he makes at least six or eight really important steals a game and he is supporting his defenseman eight feet away you know (laughs) we sit we sit on the near side on the camera side of uh, games at td garden and a defenseman will be in trouble on the far boards and there's bergeron eight feet away but he's got some gorilla on him so the the defenseman rims it around and the other defenseman's got it now in front of the zamboni doors but Lo and behold, Bergeron's there, eight feet away again. Right. And you know that time he's open, and the Bruins get out of the zone in two passes. And I, I haven't seen another player do that uh, as consistently and as well as Patrice Bergeron for the last ten years.
2: So, in 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 a, in a nutshell, Bergeron's growing. Be afraid. Be very afraid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's what it comes down uh, look, to here. You know, he, he's human. Yeah. He's in his thirties. He's uh-huh. now in his mid thirties. And, um, uh, I mean, look what happened to Mike green. Mike green was supposed to win three or four Norris trophies, right? He, he ran into groin issues. I, I'm i not a doctor. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't play one on TV, but, um, the groin issue, you can look at, at green's trajectory of his career And when that started making him miss significant time and he chose to play through it, um, he's been in decline ever since. And uh, we all love Patrice Bergeron, but, but you can't help but be concerned.
0: Well, looking forward to a new season, Jack. You ended it with one of the classic calls of all time, the Leafs are mulch again. <laughs> I mean, you nailed it. That was like, that's got to be at the top of your list of accomplishments in your career, just to be able to utter those words. And the Leafs are mulch again!
1: I, I'm wearing a Kevlar vest every time we go to Toronto now. <laughs>
0: Good idea. <laughs> It was beautifully executed. I'll be remiss if I didn't ask you about the new broadcast team and uh, when you guys start. What's coming up uh, for uh, you guys on Nessun? Uh,
1: Sophia Yurkštovich is a sensational journalist. Uh, American viewers may not know her, but every hockey fan in Canada knows her. Uh, She's going to be all over Nessun's programming. Uh, She's going to be a significant contributor to... Uh, programs away from Bruins hockey uh, but I I think everybody's really going to enjoy uh, her outlook not only toward hockey but toward life and her ability to engage anybody on almost any subject she's she's really bright she knows hockey inside out and uh, and she has a, a chance to be uh, a sensational part of our team, and and I'm really looking forward to working with her. And then there's there's Brick, you know, <laughs> who's who's only the best analyst in the game. Are you sending Brick on the uh, road preseason games? Does
0: he get some of that action or no? Uh,
1: we're we're going to do all three home preseason games nice. and none on the road, and that's fine with me. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. got enough of that coming up, Jack. Yeah, because thank... that's same day travel too. Oh, so right, the
0: worst. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much for joining us, Jack. Yeah, thanks looking a lot, forward Jack. To the season. All the best. All right, we'll see you camp. So there you have it. The great Jack Edwards will be back at it shortly. Uh, games start next Tuesday. That yeah. uh, trip to Jersey, which uh, Nesson won't be there, but um, at least Jack won't be there. I don't know if Nesson's covering yeah. the game on some. Well, some like feet. he said,
2: the same day travel makes it almost impossible yeah. for road teams to to kind of cover these games. You go, the the, the teams go the, the the afternoon of the game. They go there and they fly back out. So not a lot of time to put down, you know, put down wires and stuff.
0: Uh, I think the major takeaway, if you listen to that interview, is Jack's concern for Patrice Bergeron's sure. health. There at yeah. the end, it jumped out at me. Now Bergeron said this Monday at the golf tournament at the International. He said he basically tried to downplay it. From what I read, the quotes kind of like, "I'll be ready for the season. I'm not worried about that." But even for him to just say, "It's been a few years," right.
2: lingering, and well, he's had a couple of surgeries too. That's the crazy right. part. I think what you're hearing from him is. His experience with this problem is that if he just doesn't, if he if he does the right things this month, he'll be ready October three in Dallas. I think the two things you have to worry about is one, this might be completely different because he didn't have the surgery, and we don't know how the PRP is going to take. We've seen, I'm pretty sure we've seen some varying, you know, results with different athletes with these with with that with that type of shot. And the second thing is, how much does it limit you in the grand scheme of things if you push it in a in a game? If you if you're hit a certain way, if you skate a certain way, can you re-aggravate it? Uh, the Mike Green, you know, comparable is 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 worthy here, and uh, plenty of guys have had these issues. That, um, is he going to be the same kind of player if he's trying to skate, you know, strive for stride with Martian and Pasternak all year? Is it is it going to act up?
0: It is uh, concerning, and you know, of course, they have. We've talked about on last week's episode centers coming up through the organization to maybe take center roles, but not that role. No, and- no. And, you know, even last week, Trent Frederick missed a couple of games out there in Buffalo. So there's one guy who's behind the eight ball even coming into camp who might have been a candidate to play some center. So maybe David Backus is going to be important this year to play some center. Well, that's just
2: it. I mean, you you hear Jack talk about him, and, you know, I mean, if you're keeping him, you're keeping him. You've got to think that maybe if you give him spot duty – on on the fourth line, if you if you mm-hmm. if you don't think your fourth liners can play every night, and you
0: Corral is your third line center, and coil's your second line center, and is <laughs> your top center. I mean, I'm serious. yeah. Oh, you mean if Bergeron's, out. Spots yeah, when Bergeron's exactly. runs out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what
2: that's what's going to happen. And you know, we we saw Backus play well in games where he wasn't asked to play back to backs, where he wasn't asked to play major minutes, and that, that's that's going to come down to at some point. You'll have to factor him in a little bit, and you have to just hope that also that. A guy like Fred Frederick uh, is ready to step in there and, and maybe take care of business. Of course, that puts the coil on the wing plan on the back burner, and next right. thing you know, you're still looking for extra wings. So, um, not exactly, you know, not exactly, you know, b- building confidence here that you're going to be able to challenge Tampa, and Toronto uh, out of the gate here. It's 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 kind of dicey.
0: Well, you were in uh, in Buffalo for four days. God help. Uh, no, days. I was only there two days. Oh, I, two I days? took
2: oh. off on. I came back on Sunday for my ah. son's. My son had his first squirt full ice game, and oh, uh, good. he kind of he kind of had his uh, you know. he can play crutches. He kind of had his Casper's dogavans moment. He came out from behind the net, had an open net, and then kind of lost the puck. And
0: uh, oh, yeah, coach him up. First game, first game. That's uh, that's fine. Uh, the standouts is I read them from your coverage sure. and others in Buffalo. Yep. Now Jay Leach mostly was the guy that was getting yeah. quoted over there. Yeah, the uh, Providence coach. Do uh, You like Jay? Oh, Jay's good. awesome. Good chat. We'll have him on the pod at some point. Oh, good. Well, he kept, uh, I mean, I kept seeing Jacob Lauko's name pop up. Was he really the standout of, of, of the camp? The
2: standout of the camp was Bjork. Oh, well, he, oh was he? He only played two of the games, and clearly he was the best player out there, the def- best Bruins forward for sure. Oh, good to hear. Because 20, i 23 I, I years old in 50 NHL games, he should be out there dominating. And it's funny, I've seen so many guys over the years put in situations like that where they should dominate, and they don't. And you say, you know, what's going on here? So that's great to see. Um, Steen was really good, uh, especially in the. In the I saw him in the second game playing center. He was really solid. He's all over the puck. But yeah, Lauko, The thing about Lauko is, even if he might not be having a great game, the things, the other things he does make him noticeable, and so you're going to talk about him
0: because that, he, those were the quotes from Leach. Yeah, this is talking about the Czech-born left winger, their uh, 2018 third-round pick. Uh, quote: serious speed, not afraid to take it to the net.
2: Right. That, well, that's been that's been the thing about him. If you watched any of him in the Memorial Cup last year, I watched a couple games, and that's the first thing that stood out to you every time his team had the puck. There he is in front of the net trying to make a play, getting in guys' faces after the whistle, and he was doing that in, in this development camp at, at this, at this uh, rookie tournament too. He was in everybody's face, well, I getting like face washes. And, yeah, I mean, he's a Bruins kind of player. Um, certainly doesn't lack for confidence. He thought last year he should have been playing in the NHL. <laughs> in First year in North America, they sent him to the Quebec the, to the League. This year he plans on being in the NHL too, and he's going to challenge for a spot, and it's just going to be a matter of whether you know the skills might not – the NHL caliber yet the, the defense the 200 foot game might not be there do you need another rabble rouser in there just to you know and you can you live with him you know on the fourth line maybe maybe you can and maybe he shocks and maybe he's the Brad Marsh of this year and surges up the depth chart but clearly a guy who's in the mix too we knew I mean a lot of times te- guys will say we thought you know he was kind of a first round talent we got him in the third round um you know the, the 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 outside scouting reports on him. Some of them said that. Some of them said this guy had some skill and kind of flew under the radar because he was playing overseas. Hmm. Um, you know, so these guys, Vaknin looks ready. I mean, you know, he well, didn't well, dominate. Leach,
0: Leach said that's quote the best I've seen him. Yeah, quote, which I wondered if it was kind of you know and spin to pump him up a little mm, bit. I don't
2: know if it's been. I think it's because he only played thirty games last year and and some of that he was banged up for. I think you know mm-hmm, Jay true. has Jay hasn't really seen him a lot of them, you know so. Um, a guy who's definitely going to challenge here, too, and he can play both sides. I think that's the best part about him and his skating ability. He doesn't have a problem uh, switching sides. So it, it's, it was definitely a promising camp for them, even though they won just the one game and they had a score with two seconds left to win that one. Um, you know, you don't look at wins and losses in the tournament, and clearly uh, there's there's some talent there. More, most importantly, guys who are legitimately going to challenge uh, this, this coming week.
0: Now, I read they put with Bjork and Stenichka. I like calling him Stenichka because that's the way uh, <laughs> know. Uh, Craig Button called him. Uh, Cameron Hughes, their 6 round pick yeah. from twenty fifteen, he got was... kicked
2: in the face on Saturday.
0: Right, um, that's not Or Monday, point. Monday he got kicked in the face. So that's you, not a good did, news. Was he actually? Did yeah, you
2: stay I, up? I like him. I mean, uh, he's a little guy with with great hands, and you know, um, Jay said he uses him in all situations, and definitely a guy with a reliable guy. You know, this this organization is so deep in college guys. I think the college guys are more polished as far as the two hundred foot game, so it, it, it you know expands their ability to to be in there when you know cut to, to make the jump quicker and uh he's not a guy i don't think he'll be challenging for a job this camp but a guy that could be a call-up after a couple of months you know, he was banged up last year too he missed i think a month or two and then came back for the playoffs so uh maybe a little bit behind but uh, definitely a depth guy at this point
0: and the other two names I, I was reading about were scott conway mm-hmm. and cooper zek who you've mentioned before. yeah
2: yeah obviously yeah you know conway's an ahl deal and a guy who you know we've seen it happen with with Kevin Miller and other guys, they work their way to an NHL deal, and a, a guy that the, they love because he was at Providence College, and they, obviously they, they lean on Nate Lehman's advice. He's been a guy who's been around the team a little bit, and a guy you know maybe a Noah Chari kind of guy that can uh, do do multiple things in a bottom six. And yeah, Cooper Zek, I mean, I don't I want to see him play against NHL players now, but I mean you know from what he did in Providence at the end of last year and in this rookie tournament, <laughs> you got to really like what they're getting in this kid, and that's why there was a bidding war, and that's why. Uh, you know, they went down there to to the wire to get this kid. He's not necessarily, again, everyone's going to say the, the small guy's the Krug replacement. You know, it takes, you know, Tory Krug wasn't Tory Krug at this stage in Cooper's ex-career, right? It took a long time for Tory Krug to, to hit his stride these last couple of years. But uh, super promising kind of guy and uh, maybe more of a grizzly replacement if you're looking forward next year and you need an entry-level guy, and you're going to have all these guys up on contracts. Remember Grizzlick and DeBrusque, RFAs, next summer, too. So Interesting. It, the game never, this, this sport never ends as far as you know, pick the contract.
0: Well, that gets me excited to watch the game starting next week. I mean, there's enough prospect intrigue, yeah. I think, to go around. And they'll get Absolutely. Their, they'll get their chance to make the team. Uh, okay, now before we wrap up, um, I want to get your thoughts on the Cassidy extension. You were headed over there as we speak uh, for the one o'clock, uh, you know, press avail. Yeah, I mean, it's a, um, we what don't know. a story though in two and a half years. Yeah, it's
2: pretty unbelievable. You look at the record, what where they've been, what they've accomplished. I mean, who? No one thought it would be that easy. I mean, whether you were a Claude guy or a not a Claude guy, you didn't think that the replacement. Was going to be able to get them to turn around as much as they have and play the way they have. It's pretty In amazing. Fact, I, I
0: always bust Pete Shepard's chops about this because <laughs> he had his rant after they fired Claude, and, right. and of course the way he was fired was very controversial sure. with the Patriots parade going on. But his quote was, and I still have it. I'm going to send it to him later today. <laughs> there will be no Cassidy magic. There will be no Cassidy magic. Oh God! Because I had said to him, hey, yeah. be late might catch Bruce Cassidy magic," and he was he was just seething, you know, because he was a big Claude guy. Yeah. And lo and behold, there was you know they lost the Ottawa fine. Yeah. but still regular yeah. season magic, and then followed up. It was not a fluke,
2: right? Exactly, and I think uh, you know obviously I was a big Claude guy too, and didn't think that the, that this would turn around this quickly. Clearly, there were some ideas that had to be implemented as far as approach to the game and, and play. I don't think I don't think Bruce leans on the young guys as much as. You know, to, to the point where you say that Claude didn't trust the young guys as much. I mean, we we saw guys like Lucic and Krejci and whoever as young guys develop here. It's not Claude wasn't all veterans, but clearly Bruce has a little more trust in the younger guys. He has to because those are the players Donnie's giving him. I mean, you plug six rookies in that lineup two years ago, and uh, you would have to live with it if you do it. Um, but I think, you know, a multi-year deal, we don't know what that means. I'm guessing it's three. Three, so five, three beyond this year, so that would give him four more years. That's fine. Um, Jack talked about it. He's a manager of people. I think in this day and age, in at least the three sports I watch, you know, hockey, baseball, and basketball, that's pretty much what you got to be at this point.
0: He didn't answer my question, though. Is he a player coach or is he a hard-ass?
2: I think he's a player coach. A I, player I, coach. I would say like 90, or 85% player coach, 15% hard-ass, I think. There's no hard asses anymore, you know. I think even Joel well, Pineville has to Bataglia soften up. What he <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> is Bates going to be over the presser?
2: Today? Can we reach him? Is he, is he living in like <laughs> a park somewhere, or what's his deal? <laughs> but, um uh, but I think you know this is going to be a, a, an interesting process to see where Bruce goes from here. I mean, I think as far as being a player's coach, being a manager of people, that's all well and good when you have the Charas and the Bergerons in the Backasses to keep things on check in the locker room. Um, kids coming up now, you know, the McAvoy's of the world and. Guys like that are going to want to take more of a role and they're going to have to be in the locker room. And we're seeing right now with those guys, you can take their contract situations to say that maybe they're not thinking as much about the team as they should be. And um, we'll see what other personalities come up. I mean, you know, if this Lauco comes up and, and he turns into another Marshan, do you keep him on the wraps? Um Bruce has done a pretty good job with Marchand, you know, not really any major issues last year, am I forgetting anything that came up?
0: Mm-hmm. No, unless you want to throw his Kyle Bikoska's interview into the mix. Yeah, exactly. So
2: nonsense like that. I mean, obviously if it's not affecting the team, in, in fact, I can make the case that it, it rallies the team sometimes. So um he's he's been pretty good at handling these players and we'll see just how it goes with this younger with this younger generation and um you know, let's face it, if he has to just win and we'll see how that goes.
0: Also, we should mention, and this happened late last week, but it was officially announced that Jeremy Jacobs has handed off ownership yeah. of the team to his six kids. Uh, he's almost 80. It's not a great shock. Yeah. But... Um,
2: I, think it's, I think it remains to be seen what this means. Yeah. Um, I think we'll find out more in the next couple of weeks about as far as how the other five children are going to factor in here under Charlie, equal to Charlie. I think if if they're just in it for the no offense but in it for the money and yep. they're going to let Charlie ca- carry the reins i don't think anything changes
0: but yeah, what a point you made last week um just kind of about his reputation like yeah. when he bought the team in august of 1975 yeah. i think how long ago that was it is. 10 million or something 10 million bucks yeah and i wasn't here for a lot of that but um it, it, even when i moved here in like the late 90s to go to school yeah. there was this reputation right. that he and harry sindon were like the <laughs> The antichrists, you know, and they wouldn't spend, well, and they were just yeah, they would, cash they, grabbers. I mean, and,
2: players will tell you and it's not just fans. P- players on those teams will tell you if we could have got that one extra player, maybe we could. You know, obviously the Edmonton teams weren't going to be beaten, but there were there were opportunities and um, that they that they missed out on, and clearly they they had their own imposed salary cap, and then Jeremy Jacobs got everyone to get on a salary cap, as we talked about, and. Now we're in a situation where again, the whether it's McAvoy and Carlo or Postanak a couple years ago, you could set out all you want, but we only have this amount of cap space for you and this is what we're gonna do. So he got what he wanted in the long run and became and that's probably that's right around the time he started to come out and be more public and talk to people and um it's interesting. I mean I wasn't here, like you're saying, in yeah. the eighties and nineties. I don't I just know what I write about him and you even see it in I think Kevin's article talking about a reporter approaching Mr. Jacobs in the in the nineties, maybe, and saying, "Him bolting." Do you have a minute? And him saying, "Not a second. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's very you know very quick too. I give him give him that, but uh, he's never going to be beloved in this town, that's for sure. But I I, but,
0: I don't know about that. I mean, I think as time has gone on, of course, he won a cup. Yeah. His reputation has changed dramatically, right? He's he's he spends to the cap every year now, and as you say, it's you know, yeah. it's, it's capped. Yeah, I mean, I but, think
2: I think people are there's there's enough generations that are going to remember that older parts of the. This is why the Bruins don't ever honor Harry Sinden, one of the greatest general managers in the history of hockey. And he's just been, you know, put in the back burner somewhere as a, as a consultant. And they never have a night for him. They never bring him back when they bring back the, the players in the 70s. Some of the greatest trades ever. and uh, But people always remember this, you know, the, the failures of the 80s and 90s, where, you know, failure is relative. They went to the playoffs 26 straight years. Right. And uh, I think people in Florida or people in even in certain, you know, certain. Hockey Capitals would (laughs) like that kind of run of success. So um, it's all relative. I mean, he's never going to be, you know, I I don't mean to know. Is John Henry really beloved as much as he should be for a guy who's brought four World Series, right? But it's just, you know, they they have all the money. Why do they need our love, too,
0: right? Right. Did I miss anything? Good job with Campbell and Kelly. I thought that was interesting. And, uh, you know, took a little work from your ends, technically and otherwise. So. We give you props for that. Do you want to take a shot at the Leafs before you go? And Mitch Marner still unsigned. Oh, my God. Lord, Lord, how, are, Lord, Lord how are they, they not Martin.
2: getting this done? I think. And I, I, no, Was I, it I'm, true they
0: offered him eight years at 11 per? I saw
2: that, too. When did that come? Wow. All of a sudden, they're saying they did that in June and he turned it down? That that's, is unbelievable. That's crazy. But I will say this. One quick shot at the Leafs fan base for turning on him, for calling him a crybaby, saying he's not that good. That's my favorite. He, well, he wants to be paid like a top-20 player, but he's not a top-20 player. You really think that Marta's not a top twenty
0: player? Are you kidding me? Oh my God, Leafs fans, crazy. Well, he, <laughs> in that series early on, I thought he was their best player. Sure. By the end of it, Austin Matthews emerged a little bit, but it may have been due to the Bruins shifting their focus. I, I don't know. Right. I mean, I we
2: mean. know we know that Bergeron and Tavares lines kind of played to a, a stalemate, right? Right? So.
0: right. Right. All right. Um, good work. So by the time we uh, next hit you, unless you got a bonus pot up your sleeve. We'll be talking about some games, reacting right. to games starting next week. We took no listener questions this week. It was just all yeah. We'll have to catch up on that for next week. We will catch up on all that next week. Thanks for listening, and uh, talk to you soon on the Skate Pod.